0: Hello Jubilee Fellowship Church. Welcome everyone. Uh, My name is DJ. I am the campus pastor of our Castle Rock campus and I just want to take this opportunity to welcome all of you who are here at the Lone Tree campus as well as everybody at all of our campuses. Lakewood, we love you. Welcome Uh, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock campus, Uh, everybody listening online all around the world, our missionaries and everyone who will at some point in time listen to this message, asking God to touch your heart. Uh, Thank you for being with us and may God truly use this to speak to you today. Uh, It is a blessing and an honor to be with you, and obviously this is a momentous and an important and a consequential uh, moment in the history of our nation right before a major election. And uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, there's been a lot of thought and discussion and prayer uh, in our household. Three of us, I think, have pretty much made up our minds. Uh, One of us is still undecided, and uh, I just wanted to show you this real quick about how that process is going. Lucy. Who shall we vote for, Obama or Romney? Obama or Romney? Obama or Romney? Romney? Hmm, well, there you have it folks. (laughs) Okay, so as you can tell, we can all pray for Lucy. In fact, let's stretch your hands. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) It is, all joking aside, a very important weekend, and I do honestly hope and pray that you realize the opportunity that you have uh, to have a say in the future of our country in the glory of God coming to our land and freedom being uh, propagated and secured, and that you are praying about that, that you're taking that seriously, and that you know That God can use you uh, every day, but even on Tuesday or whenever uh, you may be doing that to make a difference uh, that you can make. So anyway, hey, we are in the middle of our Stronghold series here. I hope you've been uh, listening to that or been a part of that. If you haven't been able to hear uh, both of the prior messages to this one, I encourage you to go to jfc.org and download those. You will be blessed. You will be challenged. And in fact, uh, it was uh, in a country and a kingdom at a crossroads, just as we are here in the United States, uh, that the theme of this series takes place. It's based in 2 Samuel Chapter five, and uh, also uh, correlates to First Chronicles 11. But um, what was happening here is at the beginning of chapter five. David had been given the authority and had been anointed king over all of Israel. For seven years, he had ruled over the southern two tribes, and there had been another king that ruled over the northern tribes. And after seven years, he had finally been anointed to be the king over all of Israel. He had been anointed as God's vessel to uh, represent the authority of God in his sphere of influence. And then, looking forward to one chapter, chapter six of 2 Samuel, we see what David's agenda, uh, what his passion, what his desire was and that was to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. He wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant which represented the presence of God into the center of the country, into the heart of the nation, into the capital city, to the place of honor, to the place of prominence, to the place of influence where from Jerusalem would go forth every decision, every edict, everything that was done. He wanted the presence of God represented by the ark of God to be in that place and so that's where David found himself anointed with God's authority wanted to bring God's presence into the very center of his life and of his center of influence but in the middle of it we find this story about the stronghold of the Jebusites this fortress right there in the middle of the promised land that wasn't submitting itself to God's anointed authority It didn't want anything to do with David's authority or his passion. And it didn't really care about the presence of God. And here's where we find this stronghold that refused to bow. And David was at a crossroads to say, do we just cope with it? Do we just ignore it? Do we just pretend like it isn't there and just celebrate, hey, the cities and villages and and fortresses that we do have? Or do we believe that God wants that thing to bow its knee to the authority of God and to the presence of God? And David, we know which one he chose. He put the challenge out there to his mighty men and Joab stepped up and said, I will go in and it will happen as David instructed him through the water shaft up into the stronghold, opening the door from the inside, allowing the armies of Israel to go in. And that thing came down to the glory of God now here's where you find yourself and I find myself many of us have been given authority in Christ we've become sons and daughters of the king we've been given an anointing to rule maybe you're not the king of a nation or maybe you're not you know the mayor of a town or maybe you're not even the head of your household but God has given you a sphere of influence. If you're a college student, that classroom is a sphere where you can represent God's authority. If you're a mom at that play date out at the park, that is a sphere with two or three other moms where you can uh, be a vehicle of God's authority in your life and ultimately see his presence come and fill that place. And here's what happens is the enemy has these things in our life that refuse to bow down. Maybe it's an. maybe it's a spirit of depression, discouragement, and you're on medication, you're ashamed of it, going, man, a Christian really shouldn't be on medication for my moods. I mean, I should have victory, and you're ashamed and don't know where to turn because it's afflicted you for years and hasn't yet bowed its knee to the authority of God in your life. I have good news for you today. In fact, who cares what I have? God has good news for you today. God's word says he is raising you up. As a mighty warrior, a mighty man or woman of God, to see those strongholds in your life come down and bow their knee to Jesus. Because here's what happens. We can ask ourselves, God, why have you allowed this in the first place to be in my life? It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been easier just to come in and the day that I was born again, just you know, wipe the slate clean and all that goes away and I just live in woo, peace and victory from day one. In certain ways, Yes but here's why I believe God has allowed some of those strongholds to remain in our lives. He hasn't allowed it so that you see and know how mighty the devil is. Listen to me. He has not allowed that thing to remain in your life so that you might see and become intimidated at how powerful the enemy is. God has allowed whatever stronghold has remained to this point in time in your life or in your family, in your work situation, whatever it is, So that you might know how mighty your God is. God has allowed that thing so that also you may know how mighty you are in God. He wants you to understand through that being a part of that stronghold coming down, that you indeed are a mighty man or woman of God and that his authority rests in you. And that when you make it your passion to bring the presence of God into the center of everything that you do, into every decision you make, into every ballot you cast, into every conversation you have, God is honored to make you an overcomer and a mighty warrior. Now, do you want to look at um, uh, three characteristics that I believe mighty warriors have and that I believe you will see working in your life? Let's jump in. The three things in common that I believe mighty warriors have and that I believe you'll identify in process already in your life. The first one is that mighty warriors are mighty by pedigree. Mighty warriors are mighty by pedigree. What does that mean? I'm not talking about the dog food. <laughs> I think you're all with me on that, Lakewood. Not the dog food, okay. We're talking about pedigree, what does that mean? It means lineage, it means your family line. It means where you come from. Because you see, as we look at in our world, that word is used for many things. Uh, Things have a reputation. Things have with them an expectation of success or failure based on what we know about the lineage or where they come from. If I say, hey, I have a Stanford MBA, what does that mean? Probably that I know something about business. And I'm probably going to do well or land a fairly good job because there's a pedigree there. If I talk about Notre Dame football or Seabus or whatever, there's a pedigree. There's a reputation. There's something in place that causes greatness to come from that place, right? Now, I believe that pedigree is really talking about two things. It can mean a lot of things, but two that I want to discuss with you. The first one is genetics and the second one is forerunners. Genetics and forerunners. Let's talk about genetics for a second. Genetics is a powerful thing. Would you agree? Yep. Yep. Genetics, now a few years ago, I came back uh, from Spain where we lived and uh, was in my uh, family's, in fact, my aunt and uncle's home in Wisconsin, and I was trying in the middle of the night, I had woken up because I had jet lag. And so I wanted to find my mom and dad. The problem was, as I set forth as a, as a younger teenager to look for them, I listened for a second, and from every part of the house, I could hear the same sound at two in the morning. And it was the sound of snoring, loud snoring. And so I was like so confident going into the first room, like, my mom and dad are surely in this room. And it was my aunt and uncle. Shut the door. I'm like, oh, here they are down here. I went down to the basement. It was my grandpa and grandma. I went to the. Finally, after three or four rooms, I finally found my mom and dad in the middle of the night. Why? Because of genetics. They all snored the same. <laughs> they all sounded exactly like that. Did they choose that? No. But it was the power of the DNA inside of them that caused them all to sound the same at 2 a.m. Right? So, he, and thank God I finally found my mom. Genetics is a powerful thing. Hey, ladies, have you ever walked by somebody and, uh, you know, they weigh all of like 75 pounds. And you're on the, you know, maybe the slim Slimgenics thing. And they're like, you know, eating like a, a fried chicken with like mashed potato and out of it coming like a deep fried Twinkie or two, you know, just added uh, for effect, and they weigh like 75 pounds, and you're like, man, I walk past, you know, I drive past Quebec and County Line, and I gain five pounds, you know, just because, you know, Krispy Kreme is right there, you know, (laughs) genetics, it's a powerful thing, it will affect your life, whether you like it or you don't, it's undeniable, right, here's the deal, I believe God wants you to know that you are mighty by pedigree. My son, Zachary, went to uh, Valor uh, High School for a couple of years. And during that time, he was involved in sports and wrestling and football. And he got to know this young guy. His name was Christian. And Christian uh, was a great guy and friendly and, and, you know, gifted athletically. And so uh, my son played, I believe, on the freshman team uh, and then perhaps one or two games at the junior varsity. But his friend Christian, uh, it was just clear from early on that something was different about this guy. And he was invited as a freshman to participate in the varsity football team. That doesn't normally happen. And as a varsity player, it began to become obvious that he, as a running back, was just running through a downfield, you know, getting more yards than any other running back on the team, and that something was different about Christian. Something was special about this kid. And my son, you know, did a pretty good job, you know, trying to keep up, but man, this kid in the end just edged forward. And my son once was invited to go to his house and he hung out with him. And it turns out he found out a little bit more about Christian. And the thing was who his dad was because his name was Ed and his last name was McCaffrey. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Ed McCaffrey, but I hope you have if you live around the Denver area. But he is a two-time Super Bowl winning, uh, long history in the NFL, very successful, received dozens if not hundreds of passes from uh, John Elway. He is a legend in that area. And so all of a sudden, looking at Christian's success makes a little bit more sense when we understand the pedigree he comes from. Amen? Amen. We understand, oh, okay, he's not some kid that said, oh, I guess I'll go out for football. This kid comes from football royalty. This kid has it in his blood. This kid has it flowing through his veins. This kid has dreamed about the Super Bowl since he was three years old. But for him, it's not just a dream. You see, if I dream about the Super Bowl, (laughs) throw me the ball. I'm open. First of all, I'd never be open. Secondly, it would be a dream. For Christian, it's not a dream. It's a vision and a one that very well may become reality. His older brother is playing for Duke University now. Just caught his first two receptions in a game within the last couple of weeks. You all of a sudden begin to see that genetics is a powerful thing and that the blood of the father flows through the son and that you begin to see him walking out the successes that he has seen at home and that are in his bloodline. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says this. About you. I'm going to read it. If I can find it. And it says this. For you have been born again. Not of perishable seed. But of imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God. I'm going to read that again. For you. Man of God. Woman of God. At Lakewood, at Highlands Ranch, at Castle Rock, listening, listen to this. This is the word of the Lord. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable by the living and enduring word of God. The word that is used there for seed is a word that shares the same root word with spermos, which means the human seed. It's talking about your DNA. It's talking about the blood that flows through your veins. It's talking about the muscles that you're going to develop. It's talking about how you are made to function. And I believe God wants you to know that you are mighty by pedigree, that you have the blood of the father flowing through your veins and that you have an older brother named Jesus Christ. You know that the word of God says he is the first among many brethren. you have an older brother named Jesus who also looked straight in the eye of sin and of death and he overcame your older brother looked the same older brother that called forth to Lazarus and said Lazarus come forth and the spirit of God in him who was the resurrection and the life was manifested in his life and he is a mighty warrior won the victory he took the keys of sin and of death and he marched triumphantly to his place of glory and honor at the right hand of the Father. That's your older brother. That's the lineage that you come from. That is your pedigree. That is who you are. You've been born by the living and enduring word, by the seed of God. You know, we have anywhere between 10 and 100 trillion cells in our body. That's a lot. That's like higher than the national deficit. (laughs) I think it's 16. <laughs> Anywhere between more likely 50 and 100 trillion cells in your body. But every single one of them has written the genetic code for your entire being. Someone could take a little A bit of your hair, now with me, they'd have to, you know, look, but they could eventually find one and take one. And if they had the ability to do it, they could reconstruct your entire body, your lips, your body, your muscles, the width of your shoulders, your nose slope, everything about you is written on every single cell of the 50 trillion cells in your body. Every single one has the code for your entire organism. In the spirit, it's the same way. Every single cell of your body has Jesus written all over it. Every single cell of your body has the makeup for the fullness of Christ being manifest in you. I'm not saying we look like we're all the way there yet, but it's happening. The seed of God lives in you. You've been born of the living and enduring seed of God. You are mighty by pedigree. The second characteristic that we see in God's word and that you'll see In your life is this, you are mighty through preparation. You're mighty through preparation. It's not just the seed of God that lives in you, but it's the process that God is using to prepare you as a mighty warrior, as a mighty man or woman, like Joab was, that when the time came, he was ready to take action. Perhaps you heard Pastor Marcus speak last week about taking action. Nothing really matters unless when the time comes and the battle is raging and the storm is roaring, we can take action by faith. They say that success is what happens when opportunity meets preparation. Success is what happens when opportunity meets preparation. God has a process in your life where he is working on you and preparing you so that when your water shaft comes and there is a moment in time, and of course, there'll be many over your lifetime where God says, now you go. And you're like, yes, sir. And you're able to jump in and do that thing. Because not only do you know where you come from, not only do you know your pedigree, your older brother Jesus who overcame the DNA of the father that is inside every cell of your spirit man, but you also are being prepared by God for that very thing. Here's the deal. There's obviously preparation is a huge word and we could talk about all kinds and we could have series upon series of what preparation looks like everything in our life. Could be considered preparation, but I believe God wants us to hear something today that he is preparing us and he wants three things to happen through preparation in our life. Do you find that when you set out to kind of hang out with God for a little bit, maybe a little time of prayer, that um, it's like almost like a, a test of the emergency digital system. Like every beeper, buzzer, doorbell, iPad, iPhone, you know, fire alarm, you know, dogs are barking. The hamster's like, you know, "Eh, I want to be fed, you know, whatever. It seems like everything goes crazy in our lives when we set our hearts to hang out with God in prayer or to be with him communing together. And I believe that's because of this. The enemy is afraid of three things. He does not want three things to happen in your preparation. He's not just afraid of you praying or even he's not afraid, Lakewood, of you praying more. Did you hear me? I know, I know. A preacher said that out loud. What? Does he know what he just said? Yes. The devil is not afraid of us just praying more. He's afraid of us praying differently. He's afraid Highlands Ranch, of us understanding three things in that process of preparation that will lead us to become mighty warriors that see strongholds come down. The first one of those things I want to talk about is that the Father wants us through prayer and through relationship and in this time of preparation in our lives and through his process to learn to distinguish his voice, to learn to distinguish his voice. John 10 says he's the good shepherd and his sheep follow him. Because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger. They know the voice of their shepherd and they only follow that, right? And uh, you know, it's interesting with bankers and I've never been a banker. My son happens to be one right now. But what I've heard is that in order to train bankers to distinguish between counterfeit and authentic $100 bills, they don't try to train the bankers in the thousand and one ways in which counterfeiters try to make a counterfeit bill. All they need to do is train them in one way, the real way that a legitimate, authentic bill is made. Where the watermark is, what it looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. And when they understand what the authentic sounds like, they'll be able to identify the thousand and one counterfeit attempts out there. I believe it's the same with the voice of God. You see, Joab, when he went into the uh, stronghold of the Jebusites, he had a word. He had a direction in his life. Hey, go in through the water shaft, come up, open the gate from the inside. That's how we will experience victory. God, your father, wants to speak to you and give you direction in your life to to see your stronghold come down. But the trick is he wants us to be prepared in distinguishing his voice, distinguishing the authentic voice of my father and learning his tone. You know what? Isn't it cool? Have you ever noticed that with people that you're close with, the phone can ring and they say, hey, how's it going? And you do they don't even have to say who they are. Now don't try that if you don't really, you know, <laughs> if you don't really know that person, it's kind of obnoxious because you're like, who is this? I have no idea. Uh, But if they know you and you know them just by the tone of your voice, they will know who it is and you will know who they are. That's how God wants it to be with us. How do we do that? A couple of things. One thing is if we dig into his word, if we begin to read his word, if we begin to saturate our spirit man with the word of God, all of a sudden it's going to make a lot of sense when we hear a voice that lines up with the word of God. Does that make sense? David said in Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When I have taken the time to get into God's word and wash myself and attune myself to the nuances of his word and how he speaks over me, it's gonna become a lot easier for me to identify when he's wanting to give me a direction, right? Here's the deal. Here's the other one. For all of you men who were at our men's advance this year, something that struck me so powerfully that was shared by Craig Hill when he was there is that there are two messages that are constantly being spoken into our lives. Everywhere we go, when we're driving our car, when we wake up in the morning, when we look at it, watch a TV show, when we're in a conversation with our spouse, there's two messages constantly competing for our attention. One of them is the message of cursing and the other is the message of blessing. The message of cursing says, man, there's something inherently and deeply wrong with you. You don't have what it takes. You know what? You're going to try your hardest, but in the end, you're going to fall short. You are not a success like he is or like she is. Yeah, I know you're trying, but you're just different. You, you know what? The joy that they have, the marriage that they have, the children that they have, the future, the promise, it's, it's not for you. And that voice, I'm telling you what, tries Am I alone or does anybody else hear that sometimes? Man, I'm you what, that voice all day long can come at us and say, I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. Uh, I'm in this by myself. There, you know, and, and, and it's tough sometimes. Even when I go to pray, even when I go to read God's word, I can be listening to that voice and that message of cursing in my life. A few weeks ago, I woke up on a Monday morning, even after having heard this teaching. And I woke up and I started to pray and I was praying for our campus and some things that were coming up and responsibilities that we had. And man, I was just like feeling, going from bad to worse in prayer. I was like, oh Lord. And then there's, you know, that person, Yeah. I got a problem too. I don't know what to do about that one either. Oh man, yeah. And then so-and-so is discouraged. Oh God. And then I don't know what to do about, you know, and I'm just like feeling worse and worse and worse. I felt worse after 10 minutes of prayer than I did without praying. I was walking and embracing that message of cursing and discouragement in my life. And I felt like the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and said, excuse me, excuse me. Can you stop what you're doing? Because it's not really praying. At least not the way I want it to be. <laughs> what message are you embracing right now? What message are you walking in? I'm like, uh, I guess the message of, looked at my notes, uh, cursing. Yes, what are those lies that you're believing? And I begin to identify, wow, that I'm in this by myself, that you don't have time, you don't care about the Castle Rock campus, it's just my thing. You don't care if people thrive there. I'm the one striving and doing everything I can, but you're too busy for that. I'm in this by myself. I don't know where I'm gonna get the wisdom. You're too busy to hear my prayer. I began to identify and speak out loud the lies of the enemy that he was sinking into my spirit man and that I was embracing even in prayer. You can do that. Even in prayer, I was walking in a place of cursing and God began to say, now replace it. What is the truth that I want to speak to you. What does my word say about you? And I began to go, that you love me and love us, that you have wanted me to have peace in you, that you want me to trust you, that you have wisdom, that you have all power, that you have this figured out, that you will never leave me nor forsake me, that all I have to do if I want wisdom is ask and you give freely without finding fault. That you're a friend who sticks closer than a brother? That I am in Christ? That if God is for me, who can be against me? That all of a sudden, after praying for about 10 minutes that way, embracing the message of blessing, rebuking the message of cursing, I was like, man, I'm ready for this day. Let's go! Let's see the glory of God! I felt like a mighty warrior. Not because anything I had done had changed, but because God had changed my mind, washed me, helped me discern his voice. And I was able to pray accurately around that. I believe as you pray, oh man, uh, man and woman of God, Castle Rock, if you can get this, if you can begin to pray by the spirit of God, wrapping yourself around the word of God to you, His voice, his promise, his blessing over your life. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. (laughs) Woe to the kingdom of darkness. The devil is petrified. He doesn't care if we pray more, but he's petrified if we begin to pray, believing the blessing of God that is over our lives. And if we begin to pray according to God's word, may God give us the grace to do that. Once we be, know how to do that, we can wash our minds with his word. Whenever we start to sense that message of cursing, that thing of like, yeah, I'm reading God's word, but you know, it just seems like the more I read it, the more I'm beating myself up. God says, man, you got to learn as a soldier to take a bath. You gotta learn to let, let me wash your mind. And I've actually asked God, God, would you wash my mind? Jesus said in John 15, you are clean by the word I have spoken to you. So we got to take this thing you know, and wash our mind, renew our mind, wash our thinking with God's word, with his message of blessing. I'm not saying God won't allow something difficult. This is not some, oh, we're all going to drive out of here in Cadillacs and, you know, never have a flu again and whatever. I'm not talking about that but I am talking about the fact that God loves me, that God no matter what I'm facing is with me in this, that God wants nothing but good for me and for me to become more like Jesus and for me to win victories in him. That's what we're talking about, washing our minds. It's part of the preparation. The last part of that preparation I wanted to share with you is the fact that he wants us to grow in love with him. Sometimes he just wants us to hang out and grow in love. Here's what's interesting. Joab was the one that went in to the stronghold and took it for David. But there's a history here that didn't just begin that day or the week before or the month before. Joab was David's nephew and they had a history together. They had hung out for years while David was being chased around the countryside by King Saul. They had hid in caves together. They had fought for their lives together. They had no doubt risked lives for each other. In combat, there was something to the love and the true brotherhood that they experienced that would cause Joab, I believe, to have the love for his king to say, hey, sure, I'll be the one to go in. I'll be the one to risk my life and go through the water shaft because love, love will make you do things that fear or duty will never make you do. Love will take you places that nothing else will. Moms, would you would you take a bullet for your child without even having to think about it? Would you lay down your life? You would, because love will make you do something that no other motivation can possibly come close to. We read in chapter 23 of 2 Samuel that there were these 30 mighty men of David. And one day David was fighting the Philistines and he was like, Oh, he sat down and he was in one stronghold, not the same one. And he's like, oh, if I could just have a drink of that water well that was uh, by the gate of Bethlehem. And you know what these three mighty men did? They're like, our king whom we love wants a drink of that water from that well. And they busted through the enemy lines, went all the way in there, got a drink of water and fought their way back through the line and brought that water to King David from that well that's love. They didn't do it out of a sense of duty. David didn't even say, I command you to do this. Love motivated them. You want to see God do great things in your life? Do you want to see strongholds come down? Do you want to truly become a mighty man or woman of God that sees victory after victory and God being glorified in your children, in your family, at your workplace? Let him in this process of preparation build his love into you and your love back for him. I'm telling you what, as you hang out in him, as you wash your mind with his word, as you learn to distinguish his voice and how he feels about you, oh man, love will begin to grow and you will be warriors together who would do anything for each other, just like Joab was with David. And you'll see those same mighty things. You'll be willing to attempt things when God puts it in your spirit. Wow, man. That's never been tried before, but you know what? My father's telling me, let's do this. Let's do this together. You're like, okay, let's do it. Let's believe for that healing. All right, God, man, you know that, you know, something bad happened last time in the same situation, and I lost the one that I love, but God is saying, just believe me. Just trust me. Let's do this together. You'll see the spirit of a mighty warrior raised up within you. One of the ways in which we see this, I got an email a couple days ago from a lady in our church, and it just says this, Dear JFC Prayer Warriors, the fact is I have been told I have a bone marrow disorder called myelofibrosis, a type of chronic leukemia that causes the bone marrow to scar and affect the production of healthy blood cells. The fact is that there is no medical treatment for this disorder and only God has ordered my days, not man. The truth is that God's word says I am healed. God promises hope, comfort, peace and joy in the Holy spirit And then she goes on to ask for prayer for her husband that he would not allow this to get him down, but that he would remember that the name of Jesus is above all names, our Savior, Redeemer, and Lord. This is a woman right here from Jubilee that just got a devastating piece of news. I'm familiar with that. I just lost my father to prostate cancer earlier this year. So I know what it looks like for a mighty warrior to face a difficult situation and to have it not go perhaps the way that we thought it should have gone. But here's the truth of it, man or woman, of God, listen to me. The truth of it is that if in your heart is saying, God, I know who I am in you, Lord. I know that, that your blood flows through my veins. And God, I embrace your process and your preparation in my life. Lord, I wanna wash myself in your word. I wanna to come to know your promise. I wanna know your tone of voice so that I know when I'm getting beat up, it's not you. But when I'm being uplifted, encouraged, strengthened, something inside of me is starting to spark to life no matter how crazy it seems that's you and I will follow you to the ends of the earth that's what it looks like to be a mighty warrior and God ultimately is the one who rewards God ultimately is the one that will cause it all to make sense in the end but we can bring him glory in the process the last characteristic that mighty warriors have not only do they come from great pedigree which you have great blood and DNA flowing in your veins and written on every cell. Not only are they in a great process of preparation, whereby when the opportunity comes, they are ready to step into that thing. They are ready to climb into that water shaft. They are ready to do whatever is needed to see the victory happen, to see the stronghold fall, and to see the glory of God and his authority flood the entire place. But you are mighty today, by proclamation you are mighty today by proclamation in Judges chapter 6 we learn of a story where the Midianites had come and had oppressed the land of Israel and they had camels and it says they were like locusts you couldn't even see the ground because there were so many of them they were so thick and the people of God were literally hiding in caves and in stones and in wells and wherever they were and there was this young man named Gideon and he was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press so that the enemies wouldn't be able to see him and he's cowering down there threshing wheat to try to get something to eat and it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him and you know what God said to him perhaps you feel like that in your life man I'm not a mighty warrior I'm just barely trying to get by. I'm just trying to get a few grains of wheat so I can make a little cake and take it home. I'm not trying to take on the enemy. I'm just trying not to be seen. I'm just trying to be invisible. Maybe it'll pass. Here's what the Lord said to Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Highlands Ranch, the Lord is with you, mighty warriors. Castle Rock, the Lord is with you. Mighty warriors, rise up in his proclamation. You see, God has an uncanny ability to ignore the facts in order to call forth the truth. God has an uncanny ability to ignore all of your situation, all of the circumstances around you. God, do you realize I've been unemployed for nine months? Yes, I do, but I'm calling you a mighty warrior. God, do you realize my kids are on drugs and they say they don't want anything to do with Jesus? Yes, but I'm saying, Mom, you're a mighty warrior in me. Do you realize, God, that my husband is into pornography and I don't know if you'll ever love me again? Yes, I do, but I'm calling you a mighty woman in me. The Father's proclamation is powerful. You ask any Jewish young man or woman, When they become a man or when they become a woman, and they have no qualms about it, it's very clear in their mind. They'll say, I become a man when my dad says I'm a man. I become a young woman when my father says I am. And from that moment on, they don't doubt it. They don't question it. They don't wonder if they are. They know they are. Why? Because of the father's proclamation. The father's voice and the father's word and the father's proclamation over you makes all the difference. If God says to you, you are a mighty warrior, then you are a mighty warrior. If God says to you, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, buckle up. Because guess what? What do you think is coming? Three weeks, all expenses paid in the Bahamas. Bam, 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 bam. Actually, that's more like Hawaii. You know, I don't know how they dance in the Bahamas. I've never been there. Anyway, no, there's a battle coming. God doesn't just go around like, oh, well, that's nice of you to say. Well, <laughs> oh, do I look good in this outfit? Did the soldier, you know, look at the shoes? No. If God says the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, buckle up. Because there's a storm coming. Because there's an army coming at you. But guess what? Victory is sure. He will not call you mighty warrior if He intends you to lose the battle. But He intends for you to be victorious in God. The Lord is with you, Jubilee. The Lord is with you, listening on the podcast, missionaries all over the world. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Hear his word, the word of the Father, speaking it over you, declaring it over your life. Pastor John has preached this when the angel Gabriel came to the Virgin Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, right? Honored among women. It says, The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you will be with child, and you will name him Jesus, right? And, and he, he promises to her the birth of the Messiah. Here's the truth of it, that the word of God comes accompanied by the power to fulfill it. God doesn't go around blabbing stuff that he can't actually pull off. God doesn't go around talking smack when he can't make it happen. So you need to know that. You need to know that young man, young woman listening. That if God has said, you are a mighty warrior in me, God has the power, and indeed in that very declaration, is the power to make that promise come to life in your situation. You are mighty by proclamation. You are mighty because he has chosen you. You know what? In life today, I know in church work today, we oftentimes, uh, choose the anointed what i mean by that is we look for people that kind of look like they have it together and kind of look like you know they got stuff figured out and there's nothing wrong with that that's just how the world works and and we look for that and we want to choose those people right I and mean, if you had to choose oh yeah that person that person man they look like oh they're mighty in spirit that looks like a mighty word yeah but you know how god does it he does it in completely the opposite we choose the anointed god anoints those he chooses God anoints those he chooses. He can win. He can go, I'm going to defeat this giant by a shepherd boy. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> I'm going to feed a multitude of 5,000 by a little kid who's got five. Okay, here goes. <laughs> I'm going to win a mighty victory uh, by a bunch of lepers. And 185,000 enemies of Hezekiah were put to death by the angel of the Lord. And lepers were the first ones to go out there and be like, everybody's dead, dude. Does this look good on me? Does this make me look fat? Yeah. You know, they're out there celebrating a bunch of lepers. Why? Because God doesn't need you to have it together. God doesn't need you to look a certain way or have it all, understand it all. He just needs you to go, okay, God. God is choosing you. You are his first choice for the mission that he has for you. Do you realize that? You are not his second or third choice. You're not third string on the bench. You're God's starter in your life. For your children, who's going to pray for them like you can, mom? For your husband, who's going to affirm them and send them forth with a blessing like you can? Kids. Who's going to change this world in the times in which we live like you can? Nobody listens to my generation anymore because, you know, I still think uh, the Bee Gees are cool. That disqualifies me right there. But not you guys. You are first, God's first choice to change a generation, to pull down strongholds, to see the victory of God and the presence of God be manifest. May we hear that word that God is saying, do you hear it? I'm not looking for superstars. I will give you the anointing you need. I just need you to hear my voice saying there is a water shaft. I have chosen you. If you believe in me, if you'll trust me, I'll be in there with you. And I'm going to be with you the whole time. And you're going to climb up that thing. You're going to open the door from the inside. And you're going to shout a shout of victory as my armies rush in to your situation. Amen. As the worship teams come forward at all campuses, I just wanted to say this, there was a little girl in a land far from her home, years and years ago, and she had been taken from her home, she had been forced to learn a new language, she had been forced to become a servant, and she could tell that her mistress's husband was in pain, and that he was afflicted with a horrible disease, And one day something came upon this little girl and she spoke up and she was filled with courage and she simply said, oh, that he would be willing to go see the prophet of God in Israel for then he would be healed. And you know what happened? That man whose name was Naaman made the trip to Israel. And he went and met with a prophet of God named Elisha who told him to dip in the filthy, muddy River Jordan seven times. And even though at first he didn't want to do it, but when he was convinced by his peers and other commanders that he had with him, he went and did it and he was healed in that very moment. And he declared, there is no God like the God of Israel. There is no God like your God. All because a little girl spoke up. We don't even have her name recorded in the Bible, but she was a mighty warrior in God. As we conclude the service today, I believe that God would have us ask ourselves, and what is that shaft that God has put in front of us? What is that thing? Is there a conversation God is saying, this person you work with is going through a tough time. They're, They're just dying to just hear a word of encouragement, a word that I care about them. And then if you'll just be faithful and do that one thing, my spirit will be able to flood into their lives. Wow, if you'll just believe me and take action and pray for that person or call your long lost son or daughter and ask him if you could buy him coffee and see what I will do. And you believe that and you take action upon that thing. I believe God wants you to know you will see the power of God flowing through you as a mighty man or mighty woman of God as a mighty warrior. If we could stand to our feet together. I am in awe of the possibilities that are encompassed In this room, or at that campus, or wherever you are, it's a humbling thing to realize if the Lord opens your eyes to his seed that you have been born from. That seed carries in it, just like the seed of an apple tree, everything that it needs to produce a fully formed apple tree. The apple tree doesn't have to wonder and make, oh wait, what do apple trees look like? It just happens. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and great things will happen. You will bear much fruit. I'm telling you what, man or woman of God, I pray in Jesus' name, Father, would you open the eyes of our understanding to see your seed that works so powerfully in us that everything that we need to become like Christ has already been deposited by your spirit in our lives on every cell. 50 trillion cells of our spirit man are saying, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. Crying out to you, rejoicing in you as Christ is formed in us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to discern the voice of blessing and the voice of cursing. God, that we would be quick to shut down those attempts of the enemy, to have us pray, but not truly understanding the blessing that you've called us to operate in and from. God, I pray that you would wash our minds and teach us daily to wash our minds with your word that we would truly live in the joy of your promises, in the joy of your word over us, in the joy of your love for us, God, that we would truly be prepared to take action when the time comes. And God, I ask that, Lord, we would hear your voice proclaiming over us, you are my mighty warrior. You are my first pick. I have chosen you, and I will open your eyes to the water shaft, to the opportunity that lies before you. And you and I together will go in and accomplish great things for my glory. God, do this in your people, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, as we enter this response time today, I just want to encourage you, if you want to step out of your seat and partake of communion, we'll have uh, stations here at the front and all of our campuses as well, where you can partake of communion, reminding yourself, hey, Jesus said, if you partake of my body, if you partake of my blood, which is what that communion represents, then that is the secret. To victory in your life, feel free to do that during this response time. We've got people to pray with you at the back, prayer of agreement. You might have a stronghold that you're saying, you know what? Man, God, I just need somebody else to agree with me. This is the year, this is the day when that thing begins to come down. Go back there, receive prayer for that. We've got crosses, again, at all of our campuses where you can take a moment of time and just worship God. If God is revealing something, maybe a secret, a strategy, a first step. Something you can do, write it down on a card, pin it to the cross. We all have an opportunity on Tuesday to take a step of faith, to do something that can affect not only our future, but the future of our country for God's glory. Do that. Let's be obedient and be filled with faith together. God bless you.